This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to offer diagnosis or treatment for any medical or psychological conditions. All treatment decisions should be made in partnership with your health professional. This is Advice from Mom. On today's episode, we explore advice for a post-election world. First things first, meet my mom. Hi, I'm Mama B. I'm Rebecca's mom. And I am Rebecca. So maybe you're wondering why you should listen to my mom's advice. I can certainly attest to her mothering abilities, which she performs on me regularly throughout this show, as you will hear. Uh, She's also a professional at this. She's a psychologist and family therapist. She's been listening to people for over 30 years and living for over 60. (laughs) But beyond that, I think you will find my mom really cares about you. It kind of amazes me. So this whole show is made up by listeners like you sending us in questions. And my mom literally pours her heart out for each question. Mm -hmm. She will take the question away and make all these notes and want to think about it for a couple nights. And then she'll come back and we'll record an answer, which you'll hear throughout the program. You'll hear three questions answered on this episode. And I think you'll find her advice helpful. I hope you will. (laughs) That's really why I'm making this podcast. I think my mom has great advice. Maybe your mom does too. And I want to hear all about that, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. Anyways, I just really hope that it, it helps you. Whatever situation you're in, if this brightens your day, then we've done our job. Oh, and bonus reason to listen to my mom. She also has the amazing ability to work a story or metaphor about pickleball into almost any conversation. I have only kept in the best of the pickleball stories, don't worry, but I just want to give you a little bit of context in case you too are not a senior citizen living in Florida. It's a kind of miniaturized tennis-like sport that was actually invented in California, which my mother loves to tell me I should be very proud of. (laughs) So I guess I should also introduce myself. My name's Rebecca. I'm a designer by trade. Also a singer in a rock band. I love finding creative solutions to problems. The way I see it, advice is kind of like a design solution for your feelings. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You you can call me the daughter of a shrink all you want, but I love talking about feelings. I mean, that's really what was the impetus for making this podcast, was to talk about feelings, to talk about wisdom, and to tackle some of life's big questions. Um, Not just with my mom, primarily with my mom, but also with other wise people in the world. I've started with people that I know, but I also want to expand it. I want to meet other wise people. How cool would that be if this podcast becomes really a collection of wisdom? So all of today's questions focus on post-election predicaments, and they've all been submitted by listeners like you. So stay tuned at the end of the episode to find out what big life question we'll be tackling next, and also to find out how you can get advice from mom. So mom, why were you interested in working on this project with me, besides the fact that I'm one of your top three favorite daughters? <laughs> well, um, it's, it's near and dear to my heart, I'll tell you that. Um, I, like many people, have faced tremendous disruption, I think, in the last bunch of weeks after the election. Rebecca and I are offering all of you out there some practical ways to cope with uh, any of these disruptions and to adapt to them. And I've always been very fond of people protecting themselves, especially protecting themselves against negative emotions. For example, today on the way home from the office, I uh, was listening to the radio and I was hearing about some new cabinet positions that have just been announced. And after listening for a while, I became pretty upset. And so I turned the radio off. I put some really nice classical music on and I felt better by the time I got home. Just one example of how you might consider protecting yourself. Um, Hopefully we can help you create some ways to cope, 
protect yourself. And if you are successful in creating these kinds of methods for yourself, I believe that they will work for you and help you throughout your life and in many, many different ways. So mom, I'm interested, what did you think of all the questions we got? Well, I sure think that we got some very, very good questions and they have helped me to create some answers that hopefully hit the target for many people who share some of the same feelings as the people who sent us the questions. For many people, that election was really a trauma. It hit us personally. And I think we were blindsided too, which made it much harder. Yeah. Those of you who feel like you are in a crisis or who feel like you're at a crossroads in your life, uh, you're not overreacting or exaggerating, nor are you imagining that this is truly a crisis. And please don't let anybody tell you differently. It's truly a difficult time for many of us. And some of you were not only traumatized the day after the election, but I think that some of you have been re-traumatized every time you read the news. We realize after a certain point that it's going to feel like we're pulling off the scab off of a big wound. We're pulling that scab off over and over and over. Mom, that's gross. Well, yeah. Yeah. During this whole period, I was thinking back to 9-11 when myself and many, many other people were very, very upset. I personally had been so upset after 9-11 that I kept thinking, I have to do something to help. I was obsessed with the notion of trying to help. And then one of my colleagues suggested that we could get trained by the Red Cross and go as therapists to Ground Zero and help all the people who had been so tragically disrupted and some of them hurt. And it turned out to be a really incredible experience and very rewarding. I feel that we did help a lot of people who were very much hurting. And there was a big center where uh, people could come for help of all kinds. My friend was at Ground Zero, and she was pretty traumatized by helping them there. But uh, she wanted to go to Ground Zero. The whole country was collectively traumatized. You know, they, they even call it a collective trauma. So in this situation, I'm going to really suggest how important it is to protect yourself from being re-traumatized. When we are in a crisis or we're very upset, our brain, the thinking part of our brain, literally gets shut down. If some of you have had the experience of not being able to remember or not being able to concentrate or having your problem-solving skills disappear, it's truly what happens at some point in, uh, in a crisis. So it is pretty normal. I want to reassure you that time will heal, but it's very scary when it's happening. I definitely have heard many, many stories, and we've gotten some, some questions from people who have dug into this a little deeper and are still weeks later experiencing, rightfully so, some really upsetting feelings. Yeah. While we're not going to get too much into the politics besides revealing that I live in maybe one of the most liberal cities in the country and saying that my mom does not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> this is a cross-state conversation that we're having. Our hope with answering a couple of these questions today is to really provide relief for a lot of people that have experienced similar things. Let's keep in mind that what I have to offer today is really very limited. You know, since this is just a one-time podcast, it is simply for some support and maybe give you a little direction. You may well need much more than that to heal from this and to minimize the disruption in your life. I will talk about two different choices that you have. The first set of choices has to do with what I call self-help, and that is you working on your own on your own mental health. And the second is to find somebody, whether it's a therapist or a coach. Please keep in mind that this is only a tiny little band-aid. A band-aid on that gross scab you were talking about Ugh. earlier. Did you have to bring that up again? Yucks. 
As you will hear Mama B occasionally say, she is a family therapist and a psychologist. Mm -hmm. But for the purposes of this podcast, just think of her like your friend's mom, and then just think of me like your friend. Look, you just made a friend. (laughs) Airwaves are so fun. Each question today is going to get three doses of advice. First, you'll hear Mama B's advice. After that, we'll put some of Mom's ideas to the test with a friendly game of mother-daughter pickleball. That's where I question all the things she's just claimed, but mostly I just build on her points because she usually makes really good points. And lastly, we get a second opinion from somebody else. Because you know what? If two people say it, then you know it must be a good idea. And you know what? If they say something totally different... That's interesting, too. This is Advice from Mom for those who have felt overwhelmed by recent news. Here's the question. Since the election, I can't stop reading the news. It's the only way I've found to wrap my brain around what just happened. It's not calming, it's fear-inducing. On the other hand, I know I can't just bury my head in the sand, as much as that sounds so nice right now. What are some good coping mechanisms? How can I stay engaged without being on edge all the time? Signed, Feeling Blue in a Blue State. And now, some advice from my mom. Well, I'm really glad that you asked this question because other people have had the same kind of experience and are interested in the same question answered. And it sounds to me like you've been trying hard to do the right thing, but those actions have made you feel awful, which is kind of paradoxical. Also, you want to stay engaged, as you call it, in what's happening, but that also has its drawbacks. I'm curious about who told you, quote, you can't bury your head in the sand. We're each individuals, and we each have our own idiosyncratic hoping mechanisms, so I I wouldn't be surprised if that would be helpful to you. Uh, But let's focus on some specific strategies that hopefully will help you to cope and to feel better. My suggestion is that you start to pay attention to those media outlets that seem to trigger bad feelings. Uh, You could be selective about which news sources you take in and avoid those that are inflammatory. As your anxiety goes down, your problem-solving and decision-making skills should increase. At that point, I'll bet you'll find some leisure time stuff to do that you'll enjoy. For me, I love Zumba and pickleball and online Scrabble. Another way to cope is to expand your support system in some new ways. Think about maybe engaging in some new way which will take you outside of your comfort zone. And if you care a lot, for example, about the environment, then consider becoming active in an environmental action organization. One of the organizations here in Western Pennsylvania is a wonderful organization called the Western Pennsylvania Conservancy. They plant flowers and do landscaping, and they bring so much beauty. So I'm hoping that maybe your fears will act as a kind of motivator to help you move out of your comfort zone and into some rewarding activities. I sure hope so, Blue Blue. Time for Mother Daughter Pickleball. So Mama, you called out that blue in a blue state feels pressure to do the right thing. There's some interesting tension there. Is doing the right thing being an informed global citizen Or is it being a good protector of your own mental health? Very good comment. Absolutely. Uh, And I do value the the protection of one's mental health above uh, most other things. So that is my own particular bias, I guess. 
So I know Blue Blue feels pressure to submerge herself in the news, but I think it's it's definitely having a very negative effect on her. Right, so she would be in great conflict then. So you're encouraging her to focus inward, maybe even focus on the things in the sand around her head. (laughs) Another benefit of submerging yourself in something like an environmental cause is that natural beauty can be a real source of solace Mm -hmm. from tumultuous Mm -hmm. political environments. That's true, a great source of comfort uh, when you immerse yourself in nature and and get lots of um, exercise as well, so out in the beauty of uh, that place. And then, Mama, I loved your point about news sources and identifying which ones are inflammatory and which ones are productive to helping you really understand a picture of the world. I just wanted to add to that the component of social media. Almost every social media platform has a feed, right? That can oftentimes be literally what feeds you content. Mm. Might be cute baby pictures, might be horrendous news stories. And you're really powerless to what you see there. You can you can pick your friends, but after that, you have pretty limited control over what your friends can show you. Mm-hmm. And that's not really putting you in the driver's seat of controlling your own experience of news consumption. So maybe one of the tips that I'd give to Blue Blue is really evaluate where she's getting her news sources and what ambient ways that news is coming into her life. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or... Something else I've been hearing a lot of recently is maybe you get a paper delivery of a newspaper that you care about. Reading the art sections, the business section, as well as the, you know, the local and international news, it's parceled for you in a way that is curated and thoughtful as opposed to just five million stories about how much the opposition is going to ruin the country. I like it. I don't know if I'm allowed to recommend that until I actually get a paper subscription myself but But, uh, on the other hand there will be nobody to monitor whether you did your homework or not on a podcast no one can tell if you have a paper subscription that's right so you're home free babe (laughs) (laughs) you know mama i don't think it's fair for us to talk about being informed global citizens Hmm. unless we really get a perspective from one yeah what a great idea Hold on to your feelings, get ready for some facts, from Ahmed, an informed global citizen. Uh, My name is Ahmed Al-Najjar. I'm a former legislative staffer and political campaign manager. I've worked in both the legislative and executive branches of government. I'm a public servant at heart. Um, Nowadays, I work in uh, public affairs for a tech startup called Town Squared, doing primarily public affairs, advocating for uh, small business in in the U.S. Thank you so much for joining us, Ahmed. Thanks for having me. So, Ahmed, I'm interested to know your thoughts, your recommendations to someone who feels a victim of a fear inducing news cycle. It's uh, interesting to me that you mention news being a a source of fear. It shouldn't be. It should be a source of uh, information and knowledge and a a way to help you interpret the reality around you. But you're actually right. It is fearful. And and there's a reason for that. Uh, It sells. It makes you click. It makes you engage more with it because it evokes stronger feelings, which tend to be negative. It didn't always used to be that way. There was actually a time in the in the U.S. when we had something called the Fairness Doctrine. This was a policy put in place in 1949 by the Federal Communications Commission. Basically, it required broadcasters to report issues of public interest and provide coverage representing opposing views. Oh, was, crazy. Yeah, kind of crazy. The idea was that there was such a limited access to airwaves for radio and television. So if you did get a license to broadcast, you needed to be unbiased in your reporting and really represent the public interest. 
the the doctrine itself was used sparingly, but when it was enforced, it was extremely powerful. For example, in um, 1969, a federal court used the fairness doctrine to revoke the license of a television station in uh, Mississippi that was using its broadcasting power to promote segregation and racist views. They lost their license. 1987 comes around, the Reagan administration essentially shut down the fairness doctrine. Uh, this is pretty much why we have the polarized news reporting that we have today. There really are very few real news outlets reporting out there. Instead, and, and especially with the internet, media is targeting news based on algorithms of your personal preferences. So essentially what most people have access to is a giant echo chamber of shared opinions and values. This does not lead to positive discourse. So to stay engaged, I, I recommend first and foremost, learn how the government works. One example, you hear people talking about, oh, the Constitution's going to get rewritten, terrible things are going to happen. Well, if you take the time to understand how that works, you see that it's kind of a baseless fear. Just as an example, since 1789, when the Constitution was ratified, there's been more than 11,000 constitutional amendments that have been proposed. Wow, that's huge. That's, that's a lot. Of those 11,000, 33 actually made it out of the gate and went to the states for ratification, which is part of the process for a constitutional amendment. 10 of those were passed. That's the Bill of Rights. 17 others were passed over the years. Just know how things work and you can insulate yourself against a lot of that baseless fear that is just being tossed out there. You know, most important, and I cannot recommend this enough, get involved locally. Learn how your city government works. It's just a microcosm for the federal level anyway. And it's a place where you can really affect the change that you want to see in the environment that really immediately affects you. Wow, that's, that is awesome advice. Thank you so much, Ackman. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, pretty cool, huh? Yeah, Ackman had a lot of good advice, and we'll be hearing from him later on in the show. I hope that we brought a little brightness and enlightenment to you, Blue in a Blue State. Absolutely, yes. And best of luck to you, Blue Blue. I think you're going to do fine, but be sensible about it. This is Advice from Mom for those who have been politically activated. Here's the question. I'm a normal person with a normal job and a pretty normal life. Like many people this election season, I was motivated by fear to step out of my comfort zone and get political. I made calls for the Hillary campaign. I wrote I'm with her letters. I even wore business casual clothes to Las Vegas and stood outside for 12 hours as a poll observer. The thing is, I loved it. I love the feeling of working hard for something that matters. And it was 10 times more satisfying than the sizable paycheck I get from my corporate marketing job. Now the election is over. I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing. I'm reading all the news, calling my local and national representatives, becoming a member of the ACLU, etc. But I feel permanently changed. And now everything in my day job seems so ridiculous and utterly meaningless. I used to think my job was fun and that I was lucky to get paid to be creative. Now I come home feeling disgusted with myself for wasting my brain, my time, and whatever meager semblance of talent I have left. Yep, I'm in that kind of dark place. My question is, what do I do now? How do I know if this feeling is a real sign to make change or just a fleeting fantasy of some 32-year-old with the social consciousness of a freshman at a liberal arts school? Signed, Optimistic People Pleaser. And now, some advice from my mom. Well, congrats, people pleaser. You stepped out of your comfort zone, and you did get political. 
that's the hardest step right there. You became activated. And the fact that you said, I loved it, is very good news. You have learned that you are capable of doing meaningful volunteer work. Now your challenge is to search and search until you find the right niche for you as a volunteer. Obviously, being in the dark place is not good for you emotionally nor spiritually. Please focus on shifting that. And maybe your expectations can get lowered so you can be more content with moving ahead in an imperfect world. And again, you have already taken that first hardest step. You activated yourself. And when you ask, how do I know if this feeling is a real sign to make a change, you are asking a very important question yet again. The short answer is yes, trust that feeling. It will provide you with the motivation, the energy, the enthusiasm to carry on with your activism. I like to think that all of us can find a form of activism that is very meaningful to us. Your job will still be there to provide you with food, shelter, and goodies while you do meaningful things in a different realm of life. You'll definitely feel better when you find other like-minded people who also have a heightened sense of social consciousness. Go out there and keep your momentum strong. I have great confidence that you'll do it in a way that makes you feel confident and, and happy. Time for Mother Daughter Pickleball. Okay, great. But first, I also want to commend People Pleaser as well. She found something that she loved, and she did it while making the world better. And some people go their whole lives without finding that thing that really ignites them in that way. So congratulations and thank you for your service. Yeah, that's true. One of the words that stuck out to me was disgust. She comes home feeling disgusted with herself for wasting her brain, her time, and her talent. I'd invite her to not be so hard on herself when she thinks about her job and what role it fulfills in her life. We are part of a society that really values having jobs that fulfill us completely. That's a really hard fantasy to fulfill for a lot of people. Myself, I'm someone who has many, many side projects throughout my life. As my mom will tell you, she tells me I have TMP. Mm -hmm. Too many projects. It's a, it can be fatal if you're not careful. So that, that's the other extreme. <laughs> I think what my mom is urging you to do, people pleaser, is to, to maybe get one or two side projects that really ignite you the way that you felt ignited during the campaign season. So one of my mental health heroes, a woman named Esther Perel, who wrote a book called Mating in Captivity, mm. talks a lot about how much pressure we put on our mate to fulfill us completely. And in this case, I wonder if it's not dissimilar for jobs. Are we putting all the pressure on our job and what we do for our livelihood to also fulfill us as a member of society, as a political being? What kind of other projects could we have in our lives, assuming that you have boundaries on work <laughs> that allow you to have other projects in your life, that could also help to fulfill you as a more holistic person? I like the comparison between the possibility that we put the same kind of pressure on ourselves about our jobs as we put the pressure on our mates. Many years ago when I was in therapy myself, actually I was complaining about your dad, about my husband, Jerry. Geraldine, my therapist, she said to me, wow, you better be careful, Elizabeth. If you have these kinds of unrealistic expectations of Jerry, you're going to sink this marriage. And I said, oh, I don't want to do that. But it was a real awakening for me that I was expecting him to be my end-all, be-all, that he could do everything. And, and really, that's way, way too much pressure. I think it is a good comparison. Let's get a second opinion. 
So, Mama, I thought it might be fun if I shared this question with someone who I know has been politically activated. Yeah. Uh, someone who actually got to follow President Obama around with a camera wow. for many years. Ooh. He was actually the first official White House videographer. You really got uh, busy with this uh, from the political standpoint. Anything I can do to get good advice for people and make my mama proud. <laughs> uh, my name is Arun Chaudhary. I am the creative director and a partner at Revolution Messaging. We're a political communications firm here in sunny Washington, D.C. Uh, and most recently, I served as digital creative director for Bernie Sanders' 2016 presidential run. So you got a chance to look through our questions. What did you think? What spoke to you? I really related to the question coming from your optimistic people pleaser. Awesome. That's what we like to hear. Uh, although I would not have described myself ever as sort of being a normal person with a normal job, uh, I really understand the kind of jumping into politics and being like, is this something that I'm just interested in for now? Is this the long run? Uh, you know, am I in it to win it? Because all good advice should rhyme. Uh, although the way I describe my trajectory uh, is more... I was sort of the most political guy at art school to the artsiest guy in politics, uh, which, as I always describe to people, is a much more fun thing to be. But like you, I had a breaking point. Um, mine wasn't Trump, which seems like a fantastic breaking point for anyone. Mine was actually in 2004. I was living in New York, and uh, you know, I remember watching John Kerry be nominated and think that there was a big casting problem there and seeing millions of people in the streets and they didn't seem to be able to stop this war in Iraq. I remember thinking that it was something I needed to get involved in, something that people who make mass media and who think about it need to get involved in. And I never looked back. And I don't just solely base it on caring and all of these things. I actually base it on, on bigger concepts than that. So I'll share, the, I'll share one of those with you, which is physics. I like to do a head fake towards physics and other things I don't understand. But, but the universe only points in one direction, right? That's entropy. Uh, and I think the cliches are out there, you know, the toothpaste and the tube and all that. But the universe is uni unidirectional, I think, is important. And so the idea that you would go backwards is, I think, antithetical to anything uh, other than the most contrived Hollywood plot. So the fact that you have made this breakthrough means that you should continue with this breakthrough. But I think more importantly and more politically, in a kind of, you know, Freudian civilization and discontent sense... Uh, you have become unstuck, right? You now are sort of looking and understanding the levers of power that work in our system, and you will never not know that. Like, there was probably a certain beauty to a sport when it's watched when you don't know the rules, but when you do know the rules, there's no unknowing that. And so I think now that you see how it works and you've worked so hard on this campaign uh, for Hillary Clinton, I think that you're going to take that same passion and that same energy and put it into other things necessarily. Because now that it exists and now that you've defined it within yourself, it has nowhere else to go. So, you know, keep up the fight in politics, keep up the fight in the culture, uh, if that's what your job is. But no matter what it is, you have become unstuck and you will never become restuck again. And I have a sense that optimistic people pleaser is going to do really well. Keep on achieving, optimistic people pleaser. And make sure that one of the people you please is yourself. <laughs> well put, well put, Rebecca. This is Advice from Mom for those who have felt alienated as minorities. Here's the question. As a minority, how do I deal with feelings of inadequacy, alienation, rejection, anxiety, and hopelessness? At a personal level, I need some empowering alternatives to feeling like I, quote, don't belong in the U.S. A little backstory on me. I'm a non-political Latin American MD MBA, married to an American-born Anglo-Saxon. We live a simple life in Pennsylvania. I grew up during the war in my country of origin, and I've survived multiple traumas. Despite having worked in human development and altruism, despite having legal status, being highly educated, and achieving a great deal of inner healing, these election results shook my insides to the point of anguish and powerlessness. Signed, Domesticated Fox. Mm -hmm. 
Here is advice from my mom. Wow, what a question. Thanks for using the word empowering in your question. It is the perfect word to describe a very powerful and important concept. I hope you have intimates who understand you and can give you comfort. If you do not have them, that's where you might wish to start. You may want to expand your support system to include people who get you and with whom you feel emotionally safe. You are definitely hearing me admit that I am biased uh, about relationships, that relationships are the most important thing in life. When I first moved from Milwaukee to Philadelphia, I really had no, no relationships, no job, no place to live. The only thing I remember is how desperately lonely I was. I was unhappy and felt sorry for myself until I did accept a job in a home for, listen to this, a home for emotionally disturbed girls. And then working with these girls made me realize that my suffering was minuscule compared to their suffering. The girls in the, in the home kept telling me, you won't last here. And, they, and the reason they were saying that is because I was very nice to them. Um, so anyway, um, if you decide wait, to wait, build wait, Mom, either a... you got to finish your story. Oh. Um, Did you last? I'm sorry. I did not last. Absolutely. How could I leave that out? Oh, how silly. So uh, I didn't last just like they thought. Those, those girls were tremendously smart, sophisticated about what goes on. So I'm saying to Fox, if you decide to build either a new kind of a support system or you simply want to expand your current support system, know that it might not be real easy to do that. I would definitely suggest that you include some or many minority group members in your expanded support system. So any efforts that you or anyone makes to expand your support system, I think is worth every ounce of effort that you put into it. Recently, I saw the story of a Muslim man who had a horrible experience shortly after 9-11. This was a hate crime of unbelievable proportions. The Muslim man forgave his attacker, who at that time was on death row. The Muslim man created an amazing organization, which is called World Without Hate. Of course, a very dramatic story, but I think tells us how we can put even tragedy into positive action. I hope that you'll find a way to do that, and I hope it will be very rewarding for you. And I, I have a hunch that it will be. Time for Mother Daughter Pickleball. So, Rebecca... I would guess you have some comments. You, you know I'm never short on comments, Mama. Yes, I, I do know that. So, Mama, I definitely see where you're going with your recommendation that domesticated fox cultivate more relationships with people who are similar to her. It kind of rung a bell in my head. I also spent some time living in Simple Life, Pennsylvania when I was in high school as the only Jewish student in a predominantly Christian school. I experienced a lot of anti-Semitism when someone on the football team let everyone else know that I was Jewish, something that I had kind of been keeping to myself and something that because of my appearance, I can keep to myself. Um, I didn't have Jewish friends until I got to college. I was so excited to have friends that were like me. But I, I understand how sometimes you live in a place that doesn't allow you to make a diverse group of friends. So, Mama, I wonder if you have any tips for our friendly fox, things she can do even if she doesn't have a wide social network where she's living. Yes, right. 
one of my regular clients has uh, shared, she's a, a woman from another culture, and she has shared with me that since the election, she feels uncomfortable in settings such as her grocery store. And so we actually went down the list of the places that she was talking about. We listed all her choices. She did a rating of each one of them to indicate in which setting she felt the most comfortable. The decision she kind of made was to protect herself by eating out at only those restaurants that are extremely comfortable for her. Sometimes the really practical down-to-earth changes are learning about ourselves and just observing ourselves in different situations can really help us to do the best thing to feel comfortable. And I think that's the bottom line is to feel comfortable. It doesn't hurt for her to protect herself. Why should she pay money to to businesses that don't respect her? Right, right. And uh, the bottom line is her judgment about uh, her, her own sense of comfort or discomfort is the only gauge that can be used uh, in figuring that out. And that will keep her intact in terms of all the other aspects of her life. Uh, It should help. Right, there you go. I mean, there is an empowering alternative at the personal level. For a second opinion, we return again to Ahmed Elnajar, former legislative staffer and political campaign manager. This last election season was more about the other than I, th- I can think of a, in, in recent history, any other election. This is, was such a broader issue than minorities. It was really the disenfranchised, whether that was women, Arab Americans, Latino populations, African Americans, um, the LGBT community. It was about who's being left behind, who's still having to struggle for some of the same rights and access that have freely been given others. The rhetoric was so divisive this election season to the point where it made a lot of people very fearful and a lot of people who who already were marginalized feel even more so. How we deal with this nationally is going to be as challenging as how we deal with this personally. To feel like an other in your own home, um, your own community, is a very, very depressing prospect. To catch the looks, to catch the tones, to catch perceptions that others have of you as somehow less than or not quite good enough is something that creates a lot of psychological stress. And I think that one way that we can deal with this feeling of not belonging is to not isolate, really. It's to understand that you're not alone. When you look at those around you, when you look at like what the actual vote was, to see that like, hey, you know what? The majority of people actually do not live fearfully, do not live in, in a cloud of, of racism, prejudice, and inadequacies that fuel those. And it, it's just to realize that you're not alone and that there are communities out there where you can support one another, whether you're a woman, whether you're an African-American entrepreneur, whether you're a proponent of you know, teaching Spanish in schools, um, what, whatever it might be, you're not alone out there. So Domesticated Fox, before we leave you, I just want to emphasize to you that I feel so strongly that you do belong. From the story you've told us about yourself, We know that you're a survivor, you're an achiever, you're the definition of an American hero. I hope you have lots of people in your life that actually know you who tell you this, but uh, in case they don't, thank you for choosing America as your home. It's folks like you that make me very proud to be an American. Thank you. This is Advice from Mom with a few closing thoughts. I hope that this first episode of Advice for Mom brings a little relief 
and light to your post-election world. I'll tell you, it has already changed my life. I took a little break from audio editing yesterday and decided to try out a political event myself. I went to something called a resistance revival. It was held in a community center here in San Francisco, and it focused on pathways to political action. They had a collection of people speak who were dedicating their lives to positive change in different ways. There was a local elected official, an economist, an activist, several investigative journalists, and the head of an arts nonprofit. It was definitely an upsetting event. The realities of how undocumented workers are in danger of workplace raids in the near future, hearing how upcoming technologies will likely put even more people out of work, and hearing about the onionization of the news today. But it was also an uplifting event, hearing about the positive action that's happening at the local and state level, hearing from activists that they feel that they have a bigger opportunity for change than ever before, and hearing several people say, lead with your heart, and knowing my heart is exactly what led me to record advice from my mom. At the end of the resistance revival, they asked if anyone had projects that they were working on for a positive difference that they wanted to share. Several heads of companies committed to creating new jobs for people. Uh, journalists pledged to report on these important issues. And I really wanted to share, but I didn't. I didn't feel like it was right to tell them about advice for mom. Honestly, it won't feel real until you, my darling new listener friend, <laughs> until you hear it. The only way that I can see this making a positive difference is if it means something to you, if it really helps you. So with that in mind, I want to thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. And if you share this podcast with a friend in need, then you are a friend indeed. Mama, have you got any closing thoughts you'd like to share? Even if the world out there is throwing us curveballs, we can still feel confident that we trust ourselves to be able to cope with it, work it through, accept it, handle it, however you want to describe it. But the basic piece here is trusting ourselves. I think that it may very well be tied up with self-confidence, but I think it's a little bit different also. And uh, part of uh, why it's exciting for me to be doing this project with Rebecca is that it involves risk. It involves not knowing what's, you know, what's going to happen. And um, that adds all kinds of energy and enthusiasm. So I think if people out there uh, find activities and find people who they feel really comfortable with, and the thought that comes to my mind is uh, when I play pickleball, I I now know the group that I play with very well, and it's a big group. Over time, I have become much more comfortable, and it's a, it's a game that I know I can play, and I I certainly make mistakes, but it it's still fun, and we all remind each other over and over that this is fun. In fact, one of the men who comes to play pretty regularly is 92, and he plays a pretty good game of pickleball, let me tell you. So find something, find a niche for yourself that really feels like that, and that's what will renew you spiritually and even physically. And we all need that kind of downtime. Don't skimp on that. And I'm sending y'all a big hugga. We, I call them huggas. Oh, is that what you call them now? Are you in a rush? You can't say the full name? Uh, I thought that was the extended name. Huggas? Uh, I remember a very embarrassing bat mitzvah speech that said otherwise. It's huggawaga. Oh, she's right. Huggawaga. Oh. We'll we'll leave you with huggawagas as much as the the thirteen year old inside of me is embarrassed to say so. <laughs> oh, isn't that my job <laughs> to embarrass my daughter and the thirteen year old that lives inside of her?
A big thanks to our guest, Ahmed Al-Najjar and Arun Shadri, to everyone who sent us questions, to my darling friends that beta tested this episode. I'm talking about Aviva and Jane and Michael and Brian and Emily all the way up in Alaska. A big thanks to the men in our lives. I'm talking about Papa B, who patiently waited for so many suppers while Mama B and I recorded, and to my lovely husband, who's been an abundant source of helpfulness and has been very patient with me while I can't stop working on my newfound love of podcast tinkering. And the hugest of thanks to Mama B for sharing her wisdom, her time, and her love. Oh, words cannot describe. Let me just tell you that I very much appreciate you and what you're creating here. It's such a kick for me to be involved in this project with you. At times, it, you know, it's a little bit um, out of my comfort zone, of course, and it was at first, but now I'm, I'm really very excited about it, and um, I really appreciate you. Oh, thank you, Mama. You're super. Oh, you think I'm super? <laughs> yeah, you're super. Thank you. All right. Advice from Mom is a production of Wise Ones Advice Services. It's produced and edited by me, Rebecca Garza Bortman, sound engineering by Brian Garza, publicity by Jane Riccobano, and our music is by Love Jerks. It's a song called Little Less Lonesome, and I'm sorry you can't hear it yet because it's still being worked on in a different part of this house. That's right, it's a song from our upcoming album. It's not, we didn't name the album yet. I guess I, this would be the place to say the album name. But just look for Love Jerks of Spring, people. It's gonna blow your mind. Okay, my plug is complete. On the next episode of Advice from Mom, we explore advice for dating and relationships. Yeah, it's gonna be good. With more advice from Mama B and several other wise and wonderful voices. If you yourself are in search of dating or relationship advice, please get your question in by visiting advicefrom.mom and then just send us your question. It's super easy. Just a little form you fill out. I'm going to be totally honest. I've already started talking to people about dating and relationships, and it's freaking amazing. Here is a brief montage of their amazingness. Meet Rhonda. Things that I speak about are definitely from experience or experiences from other people that I saw them go through that and go through hundreds of thousands of dollars and end up with a broken heart and a broken bank account. So when you become, when you become, I won't say older, but more seasoned in life through your experiences, then you can share with other women and share with other men so they can, um, they can look for that so they don't have to go through it. Meet Jane. He didn't want kids, I did. <laughs> we have a daughter. Um, anyway, uh, and, and I did analyze it. I analyzed it a lot. Meet Edie. Today's young couples analyze. They dissect. They measure. They evaluate. They criticize. We just felt the love spark and knew we were falling in love. Meet David. Around the corner, there's the possibility that things can change for the better, for the worse, but it always is changing. Nothing just stays permanent. You just have to keep pressing on with love, with life, with work, with whatever you're doing. Finding joy in the moments of, oh, you're tearing. Oh my gosh, you're no, crying. I just was, I know I, there's a hummingbird in my eye. Oh, daddy just got home. Hang on. Hi, honey. Just a minute. Hi, sweetie, I'm recording. Good. Okay, if, all right, if you need to close the door, if you're going to be noisy, okay, thank you.